Coming up, what an excellent day for placebos. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 71 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Dr. Berenger continuing his last line, it's purely a force of suggestion. And it ends with Detective Kinderman walking around at the bottom of those famous steps. Yeah, what's he doing down there? We'll have to do some investigating of our own. But for now, let's get back to the top of this minute. We're back at Berenger Clinic. And Foundation. And Foundation. Thank you, Keenan. Uh, we're back in there. Um, and is it me or is this doc, Dr. Berenger, I mean... Is he getting more and more bubbly as he is describing what exorcism is to Chris? Like, he he started out kind of embarrassed. As, as much as he said the Catholics keep it in the closet as an embarrassment, he was kind of feeling the same way, it seemed to me. But something has happened in the transition from the last minute to this one. His eyes have lit up. He's smiling. He's warming up to this idea in front of our eyes. Keenan, what do you think? Mm-hmm, yeah, the way you say it reminds me of the um, the entomologist. The, no, wait, the bug doctor isn't entomologist yes mm-hmm. right the entomologist in the science of lambs who is flirting with clarice once she like asks him questions about like moths <laughs> oh, yeah. and he's like oh oh this woman this woman is coming on to me right because yeah. <laughs> no no woman has ever been interested in anything i'm right. interested in yeah <laughs> no woman plays video games <laughs> right yeah so so yeah it's like oh now that now that she's open to the idea of uh, listening uh-huh. to me about uh, exorcism, like oh mm-hmm. yes, 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 I can let my freak flag fly. And, uh, right, right. He's 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 showing his peacock feathers right now. <laughs> this is a, uh, this is what the kids would call a flex. Right. <laughs> right. I'm not saying Dr. Berenger is flirting at all, but uh, yeah, no. if you haven't seen the sides of the lamp. That's that's one of my favorite parts of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, Clarice like figuring out that oh he like he likes me, and so I'm gonna like you know parrot that back to him and be like, oh, mm-hmm. yes, yes, this is very interesting. Yeah, very <laughs> clever, Miss Starling, very clever. Fly, fly, fly. Fly, fly, fly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and make no mistake, folks, I I, I don't think he, uh, uh, Berenger is like suddenly lighting up because he's thinking that there's still hope for Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's purely academic. I think I think this is this is his 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 nerd brain uh, nerding out. Um, I think he's latched on to this fascinating branch of unexplored medical science, and he's he's just running with it. And he's probably not even aware what his face looks like in this moment. Um, but what he's saying is the victim's belief in possession is what caused it. So in the same way, the belief in the power of exorcism can make it disappear, right? So that's, that's, that's what he's saying. Makes sense um, to me. Sounds mm-hmm. pretty logically sound. It's a syllogism or something. Yep, yep. Now – I just want to pause here and say, Dr. Berenger aside, um, his bedside, uh, uh, table side manner aside, Mm -hmm. this is really fascinating. Keenan, we were talking before about um, the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Which is a really fascinating thing, how how certain cures and also certain ailments affect you simply because you believe they do. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll use uh, uh, placebos in clinical trials to see if they produce the same results as the actual medicine they're testing. Mm -hmm. So it'll be like a a fake pill, a fake injection, sometimes even a fake surgery Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading, which I guess means they put you under and then they just – do nothing. And then you wake up <laughs> and they're like, well, we, we, we did the thing. Um, it was a success, right? We took out the, the 
thing. So they and, don't like actually cut into you because that would not be that would not be okay. I would guess. Right, right, right. <laughs> they just I don't know. They they play cards for a while. Um, <laughs> but did and, they just and, say like, oh, and we sewed it up really, really well? It, it's, we sewed it up so well <laughs> that you can't even see uh, where we cut into you, right? <laughs> um, and you just walk out of there, and sometimes and sometimes it works. Mm-hmm. Which is so bonkers. And again, it just goes back to uh, what I was saying before about how our brains, there's still so much we don't understand mm-hmm. about how the brain works and what it can do. Right. It, it, it seems as though there's there's not enough x-rays or helium or, or uh, pantopic dye in the world for us to figure out what goes on in there and why uh, certain treatments work sometimes mm-hmm. and why or how – uh, uh, people are able to do things. It it really is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I recall, around this time in the book, one of the doctors, I, I believe it's Dr. Klein, uh, is actually giving this whole speech. And actually, she's not even there. Chris isn't even there. She's mm-hmm. remembering this speech uh, as something else is happening. And we're going to get into that in mm-hmm. a second. Um, but there's a, a little more to this speech. Chris mm-hmm. recalls the doc telling an anecdote. So it starts out, he's describing uh, what we just heard. And he says, uh, and in just the same way, the belief in the power of the exorcism can make it disappear. It's, uh, ah, you're frowning. Well, perhaps I should tell you about the Australian Aborigines. They're convinced that if some wizard thinks a death ray at them from a distance, why they're definitely going to die, you see. And mm-hmm. the fact is that they do. They just mm-hmm. lie down and slowly die. And the only thing that saves them at times is a similar form of suggestion, a counteracting ray by another wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little side. Uh, uh, I do like that little addition where he stops mansplaining and he's like, ah, you're frowning. Well, let me try something else. <laughs> um, but so this anecdote about uh, uh, death rays always made me think of a thing that Ian, our good friend Ian Hinden, mm-hmm. told me about these guys called the Bone Pointers. Um, and I, I looked it up. It's actually these guys. Oh, okay, great. So so, so the doctor is talking about these guys. Um, they are known uh, within uh, Australian Aboriginal tribes as the, I'm going to try to say this right, the Kur, Kurdaitcha or Kurdaitcha. Um, it's K-U-R-D-A-I-T-C-H-A. Um, and, and according to my research, they appear to be like uh, hired executioner priests. So so someone com- commits a crime and you get a Kurdaitcha to go after them mm-hmm. and they get their name, uh, Kurdaitcha or Kurdaitcha. After the shoes that they wear, which are made out of uh, feathers. Uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> so they're sometimes called feather feet also. Um, that, that's the kind of thing. Like, that's one of those. We were on the Marvel Movie Minute talking about superpowers, like we might want, or like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. highest polling superpowers, which I, what was it? What was the number one? Um, invisibility? Uh, I think, yeah, number one was invisibility. Yeah, yeah and, and we were all like, well, I don't know. That's kind of outdated in the in the Me Too movement days, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of all you do with it. Yeah, but oh, yeah, to have little little feathers on your feet that make you mm-hmm. fly. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Flying in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and actually, so <laughs> these shoes were actually so sacred mm-hmm. that it was forbidden by all, but the adult men of the tribe to even look at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, today they make them and they sell them to foreigners. Um, mm-hmm. I guess much like Romania and Salem are, are sort of like making money off of their, you know, their dark history. Right. Um, Human beings, folks, we, we, we figure out a way, all of us, everybody around the world. <laughs> capital right? uh, Cap- finds capital, a way. Yes, capital, <laughs> capitalism. <laughs> 
the the main villain of the exorcist <laughs> is capitalism the main villain of the kardasha is capitalism you know the more and more i've been thinking about it, i mean the, the main villain of the exorcist might be the patriarchy which is very well, yes. interesting <laughs> like, like yeah, but we haven't we haven't put it out in those terms before but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then it is like these these father priests and and male mm-hmm. detectives who come in and ostensibly save the day but mm-hmm. Yes, it, it might yeah. be it might be maleness that is the villain, which I hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about till we started looking at the movie bit by bit. Right, right. This sounds like a joke, folks, but like, like <laughs> no, no, know, no, no. I really mean it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because I mean, look at look at all the doctors that she has right. to deal with, right? Like all of the, all of these these chuckleheads, right? Right. Um, but yeah, so uh, so back to these uh, these Kurdicha, right? So so these priests would hunt a guy down. And they would corner them and then just point the, like this ceremonial carved bone at them, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a human bone. Sometimes it's a kangaroo bone or an emu bone. Sometimes, sometimes it's just wood, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. It's, it's like that part of it doesn't matter as much as the belief, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it has a, it, it has a 100% fatality rate within the community. Wow. The belief is so strong that the victim will just like lay down and give up. Right. They'll refuse food, uh, water, and they'll just waste away again, folks, like the power of the human brain. I'm telling you, like believing so strongly in something, a, a communally accepted ritual, even if it hurts you, even if it kills you. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's no magic. It's just your brain. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really love that. Um, well, no, I don't love that. I don't love a person <laughs> dying because of that. No, but, but, but yeah, fascinating. the, um, the we've talked about this a little bit or did we oh geez i can't remember we were just talking recently about how like why can't these hosts remember what they said on their own show (laughs) (laughs) but we talked about this is what what episode 71 yeah yeah um but like the idea that in in media there were depictions of women fainting right in novels Mm -hmm. and plays Mm -hmm. and then eventually movies and tv and and it seems to be true like like women did used to faint at this at the um at conflict right like emotional conflict they you know like oh i just can't even deal with this and they would faint and that 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 does seem to be borne out like that's Mm -hmm. not that's not a a creation i mean it is a creation of the media Mm -hmm. like that's just something that we socially agreed upon that women would Mm -hmm. faint rather than have to deal with conflict and then that was happening and then as we as we had lesser less uh, instances of that in media we don't have that as happening as much and we don't mm-hmm. really necessarily see it as gendered anymore right like right um like yeah we, we don't think that oh be careful if you give her bad news she might pass out on you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah but i mean yeah it's it's one of those like like chicken or egg things mm-hmm. right it's like right. it's like did 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 we start did did some lazy author um not know how to end a chapter Mm-hmm. And just have the, you know, have the person faint. By the way, yeah, actually, folks, just to, just to kind of like counterpoint that, right? Like all of my, I, you know, you probably know I'm a big fan of like the gothic horror mm-hmm. uh, genre in books and everything, right? And I mean, gosh, it, just off the top of my head, like every chapter in Dracula, every chapter in Frankenstein, every chapter in in an Edgar Allan Poe or like every, every like part of an mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe story, like when they want to make a transition from one scene to the next, mm-hmm. right? They usually end with, or even Charles Dickens, every time, every time a new ghost appears, mm-hmm. right? Or, or, or leaves Scrooge, like he just faints dead away right. and then he wakes up and that's the new chapter, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah, fainting folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever fainted? Never. I've never fainted. Okay. I can't remember. I think I might have at one point. I was punched in the stomach. Oh, um, yeah, really, really hard. And then something happened. But like, it, it was like blinking. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, it, like I blinked and then I was like, it, it was like time had jumped. Oh my God. And then in my, in my, my mind, I was like, did I just faint? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So. And what so, yeah, the, the person who punched you didn't uh, fill you in and what had happened? No, they, <laughs> what they a just jerk. like. They, <laughs> They looked at me like, oh, shit. <laughs> <I was> like, 
So yeah, their eyes widened. So I was like, oh, I, pro- I probably just passed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, folks, back to the power of the human brain. Um, some of my uh, more witchy friends uh, had actually told me that that's the big secret of magic is that it isn't magic at all. They're mm-hmm. like, they're like, don't tell the normies, but we've been doing like positive thinking and daily affirmations and visualizing your goals and mindful meditation and wellness, whatever the fuck that is. Those are, mm-hmm. those are my friend's words. Not mine, <laughs> if you practice wellness. Um, but, but she's like, we used to call that magic and they would burn us at the stake. And now some purple haired hippie opens a fake culturally appropriated yoga studio where they teach you how to breathe and visualize your best life or or some Tony Robbins guy uh, sells a bunch of CDs that teach you how to say yes I can in front of the mirror in the morning and that's all that magic ever was but they ruined it she was she was really mad um, <laughs> but that that fascinated me because, <laughs> because I teach wellness now <laughs> and, and it's one of the classes that we offer at at my school and I will say um like the presentation of it sometimes seems a little bit like hippy dippy, mm-hmm. um, but if you look at it from the the science end um, and how outside stimuli can affect your thoughts, and then your thoughts can affect how you go about getting the things you want or or the things you don't want, um, like these little micro decisions uh, that you're not aware of that you're making, um, or or even the other way, like how you can how you can unintentionally trap yourself in negative thought patterns that lead to uh, self destructive actions, right, on a small scale, but those add up eventually. Yeah, I think um, everyone is is. Uh, a lot of people are really aware of that, right? Like a shame spiral or what have you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the same people don't necessarily believe in in the opposite, right? Like, like right. whatever that is, hyping yourself up in small mm-hmm. ways and, and getting better. Yeah. Which I'm, and, and, I'm but, one of those people. I don't. I don't. I have trouble believing this kind of thing. The, the positive. Oh, really? aspect. Oh, yeah. The positive aspects of it. I'm like, no. Even though I'm totally aware of the negative aspects of it. Interesting. Interesting. But yeah, so like again, folks, don't don't tell the normies. But apparently, <laughs> apparently, that's all that like witchcraft and magic. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to speak for which, you know, the right. specific type of, but, but according to my friend, that's mm-hmm. all that like her magic is, right? It's not Harry Potter. It's not a uh, double, double toil and trouble. Mm. It's, it's looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it. People like me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so Christians out there, uh, you're probably doing some magic yourselves and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Do you practice positive self-talk? Do you look in the mirror before a job interview and be like, I'm going to get that job? Because according to my friend, that's a spell <laughs> and that's all spells are. Um, like, okay, in, in my wellness class, um, we make vision boards. You heard of these? Yeah, you- again, I've never done one because I'm such a cynic with uh, positive thinking. <laughs> so I've never done a vision board. Yeah. Folks at home, um, a, a, a vision board is basically like a collage of all of the stuff that you want in your life, right? Like it, we used to like cut out pictures from a magazine. Now you just print them out on the internet, right? Now you, you probably don't even print them out. You just like have a, a digital visual board, like as your as your um, screensaver or mm-hmm. your, your your background wallpaper or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you have stuff up there like your dream home, mm-hmm. your your dream car, oh. your dream job, your dream partner. Um, that might you know, be you, Dr. Klein's, uh, like he doesn't have those cars in real life. He just has the dream <gasps> car. Just the little toy cars. <laughs> that oh. might be his vision board. He's like, one day, one day, I'm going to, yeah. Oh, I see, I see. I see, Dr. Klein, what you're doing. Um, but yeah, so like, or or you you choose pics of like celebrities with the traits that you like, mm-hmm. right? Um, or, or your dream body or your dream lifestyle, right? You choose a bunch of like, like models or famous people that you want to model yourself after, right? And you put it all on paper, right? Some creative 
artistic collage. And then you hang it uh, uh, where you will see it every day, like above your desk or in the bathroom or uh, uh, in the kitchen, on the fridge or, or wherever, right? And if you look at it every day, your brain, you know, according to the the the, the people who who endorse uh, vision boards, mm-hmm. um, your brain will start to blur the lines between reality and fantasy, and it will think uh, because folks, our brains are stupid, and we can trick them. Um, it, it will begin to think that that stuff in the picture is possible for you, and you'll start making these tiny little micro decisions that lead you to those things. Like, like if if you got a picture of your ideal body, right, this healthy, attractive, uh, muscular body, nice six, six pack, and all that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, as as part of that vision board, and you put that on your fridge, and then you go downstairs at 10, 8, 10 p.m. right, and you you get a snack, um, and you see that. And instead of microwaving the pizza, you're going to get like a protein shake and some cottage cheese. And then you're going to go back to bed. I, I, depending on, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it might work for you. It might not. Right? That sounds I don't know. awful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my friend would say, that's magic. Mm-hmm. You, did a, you did a spell on yourself and it worked. Right. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you can you can curse yourself with negative self-talk. Right. You can call yourself stupid or worthless or unlovable. Right. Again, our brains can be tricked. Right. And a lot of times we are the ones doing it. We're tricking ourselves. We're cursing ourselves. Quote right. unquote. Right. Or or our you know, our parents are doing that. I'm constantly mm-hmm. um, uh, encountering uh, students who like they'll make a mistake, you know, with a math problem or something like that. Right. And they'll be like, oh, I'm so stupid. Or, oh, you know, Mr. Lester, I didn't do my homework. I'm so because it's because I'm so lazy or it's yeah. because I don't have good executive functioning skills. And suddenly their vocabulary is completely different from like how they normally talk. And I'm like, who's been like saying these things to you because you're, you're repeating something that somebody else said to you. Mm -hmm. Um, but they've internalized it and you know, you internalize it and then you believe it and then you do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, because that's apparently according to the universe, that's how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be lazy. You're supposed to be, um, not good at math or whatever. That's just the way you are. You're essentially like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially if somebody who is, 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 um, in a position of authority or somebody or as a family member or something like that, mm-hmm. somebody that you trust is saying that to you. Well, mm-hmm. then of course it must be true. Right. Right. So, yeah. So why are you, why are you acting any other way? You got to act like that. Right. So, ugh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's actually why. Okay. So bringing it back to, uh, uh, the bone pointers here. Right. Um, so cursing doesn't work the way that, that, uh, uh, the normies think it does. Right. According, according to my friend, mm-hmm. the, the reason that witches don't go around cursing people is because, well, one, uh, because it's, it's mean. It's, <laughs> do. it's the same way. We don't go around like, you know, punching mm-hmm. people. Don't, don't do that. Um, but two, because it actually doesn't work. Right. Because it's, it's purely one-sided, right? Like you can curse yourself. Mm-hmm. You can bless yourself. You can, uh, but you can't point at someone and be like, um, you're, you're going to have a bad day. Like, like no matter how deeply you believe, they're going to look at you like, what are, what are you doing? This is a Starbucks. <laughs> Same thing with like uh, love spells. Mm-hmm. Um, so Raymond Buckland, uh, I think I think we might have mentioned him on here before. He was the author of uh, The Complete Book of Witchcraft. Right. Um, and actually the, the founder of the, uh, the first American coven, I believe. He learned from uh, John Gardner was like his teacher. Uh, I'll have to go back and check. But so he talks about uh, uh, how love potions and love spells, those are a thing. But Hollywood has messed it all up, right? You're supposed to you're supposed to do a love spell on yourself mm-hmm. to make yourself uh, feel more attractive right. and more confident, and, and you know, and again, you know, uh, the next morning you might wear your hair differently, or you might have a piece of fruit for mm-hmm. breakfast, or go jogging, or whatever, or just uh, you feel know, more confident. Yeah, just feel more confident, and and hopefully the object of your affection notices you, and mm-hmm. boom, now you're going on a date. Um, but same thing, like 
if they didn't notice you and you do a spell on them, they're just going to keep not noticing you. Right. Um, they, they might even think you're a little weird. Like they'll just catch you. They'll catch you staring at them, right? Focusing real hard or, or they find a little shrine that you made of that. It's like, don't, don't do, don't mm-hmm. do it. It won't work and you'll look really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, say like, you know, maybe some folk, um, some folk magic that we might be aware of is say like in the European um, evil eye, right? Right. Like, oh, that, la- that lady gave me the evil eye. And it's mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not really the lady gives you. It's that the person who has, quote unquote, received the evil eye is is thinking that they have been cursed. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, so that goes on to the next thing. The only way that this would work is if you lived in a community, mm-hmm. usually like a small community, like where everybody is on the same page. They all believe the exact same thing. Right. But yeah. So anyway, like all of that to say. The brain is a weird, amazing thing that can do weird, amazing things. And so what this doc is saying right here is actually completely valid. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There is an alternate version of this story where Reagan just believes she's possessed by a demon. And so if she believes in demons, she believes in exorcisms. So a fake exorcism would then work to get rid of the fake demon, right? Like that's that's what you call the placebo effect on a biblical scale. That would be a really interesting, um, I don't know, not a sequel to The Exorcist or something, but like a, a, a great thought experiment if you had 10 or $20 million <laughs> to do this thought experiment. And yeah, make a movie that is about that. That's, an, that's a very interesting movie unto itself. Yeah, the girl who thinks she's possessed. Yeah. But yeah, actually, folks, it... <laughs> Thank you for indulging my little uh, uh, tangent there because mm-hmm. I was I was leading up to what I believe is the main crux of this story. Is it real or not? Mm-hmm. Is it a demon or just a, a, a sick little girl? Right. And and folks, before we go any further, I just I just want to assure you, I think both of us believe that that in the story of The Exorcist, it's a demon. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah, I yeah. think I think the language of the film mm-hmm. has told us pretty clearly that Captain Howdy is real. Um, but the characters don't know that. And that's where Captain Howdy is having the most fun, right? All the back and forth with Karis, all the little mind games he plays on Chris, everything he does up until the final act is designed to make us doubt, right? Howdy makes sure that the characters are always presented with a logical explanation for everything, right? He'll sometimes even coax them into that direction, right? Like like we're actually seeing here. Um, So I was saving this. So... This scene in the doctor's office doesn't actually play out in the book. It's a memory that Chris is having during another scene, Mm -hmm. a rather famous scene, uh, the scene where she finds the crucifix in Reagan's bedroom. Mm -hmm. And now it makes a whole lot of sense why she would be so angry about that because the doctors basically said, keep your daughter away from anything that would feed into her psychosis. Right. In addition to that, this is a a little later in the scene, she's still remembering the talk that she had with the doctors. Um… The one that we just saw. And now she remembers a book that Mary Jo Perrin gave her. Listeners will remember Mary Jo, right? The self-styled uh, Catholic spiritualist who who warned Chris about uh, Ouija boards, right? So remember also, this was at the party where Mary Jo reached out to Reagan and drew back because she felt something, right? Mm-hmm. So so then one day, a little later, Chris gets this, uh, this book in the mail uh, with a letter that says, Dear Chris, I happened by the Georgetown University Library and picked this up for you. It has some chapters about Black Mass. You should read it all, however. I think you'll find the other sections particularly interesting. See you soon, Mary Jo. So we remember, right, Chris was like bugging everybody about Black Mass, Black Mass. Oh, they do Black Mass. Like, tell me about Black Mass. And so this was kind of like Mary Jo's in. It's like, oh, yeah, this book has a chapter about Black Mass and also another chapter that you really need to read. Um. 
So, so Mary Jo is trying to warn Chris that something's not right with Reagan. And so now, as Chris is remembering the hospital conversation, the one that, that we're talking about right now, she's also hunting for this uh, book uh, because it had turned up missing before she could read it. So now she finds it downstairs, opens it, and sure enough, there's a whole chapter all about demonic possession. <laughs> it has it has all the signs, all the symptoms, and it's like everything. It's It's almost as if Reagan read that book. And is doing all of the things in the book. Oh, geez. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So she asks Willie where she found the book. And Willie says, in Miss Reagan's room. Now, Chris turns the page again and she sees that one of the pages has like this thin strip missing from the edge. Mm-hmm. And readers will know what that means. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned it on the show. Actually, no, I don't think we did. And I'm, I'm really bummed about that. Um, folks, this was a habit of Burke's. Mm-hmm. He used to chew on paper. Um, he would like tear off little strips of uh, the, the scripts that he was working on or books that he was reading. So that book was in the room. When Reagan killed him. So yeah, all by design, bringing uh, the book up here just to mess with Chris and making sure everything Reagan does is specifically mentioned in the book just to keep Chris in doubt. So you think, so your interpretation of that is that, is that Pazuzu has read the book as well and is like, I'm going to keep it, what I'm going to do with this little girl within the bounds of that. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Well, now you now you put a, an image in my head, uh, Keenan, <laughs> where 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 uh, uh, where where the demon is just like in Reagan's body, just sitting at her at her at her homework desk mm-hmm. with a little highlighter, and you know, just like working late at night. It's like okay, is, is, okay, speaking in tongues. Okay. <laughs> I've never done this levitating thing, but like, it's, it's in the book. I got to do like like those little montages where he's just like flipping through the book and everything. <laughs> yeah, like Rocky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Like he he's not very good at levitating at first because that's not something they right. do in Mesopotamia. So he's like, okay, every little bit you get a little bit stronger. <laughs> Montage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, exactly that. No, I I, I do think that um that our demon, our Captain Howdy, our our Pazuzu is uh is specifically sticking to the book because there's now there's no way to be sure. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no way to be sure. Like it, it could just be Reagan's psychosis. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting because that, yeah, that does not occur to me in the film because then when she finds the crucifix there, it doesn't like, I don't make the connection mm-hmm. to this scene at all. I think it's sort of a new, a new thread that she's mad at, at, um, at Carl for, for, you know, uh, introducing this new thing. Right. And that always, when I, when I would watch the movie before reading the book, that always kind of confused me. I was like, why is she so angry mm-hmm. about this? Right? Like, um, you know, at the very least, like someone is just trying to help. Right? Um, right. So I always, I always read it as, right, that she's upset because um, she's not a religious person. And so it's like, you're trying yeah. to, yeah, that you're trying to take over and, you know, basically raise my child. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. Which is, which is like, that. that's a valid reason to be, to be angry. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to talk about that crucifix scene uh, when we get to it. Um, not, mm, not that. Um, let me let me be clear the the scene where she finds the crucifix because there's a lot of discussion online Mm -hmm. about who left the crucifix in her room Mm -hmm. um apparently that's that's a big famous question uh amongst uh amongst the fans i have my theory and i'm excited to uh Mm -hmm. to get to it cool um is is there a term for exorcist fans like you know like the grateful dead have the dead heads are they like oh yeah hmm x x heads x well you know if there's anybody to uh to coin one it would be it would be us right oh god that's so much pressure <laughs> that is that's a lot of responsibility for just two chuckleheads um exit ex- well i mean 
heads because we have the head spinning thing and that's, oh, that's, that's so perfect. Good, yeah. like, but like, oh man, spinning heads, talking heads. The uh, BTS has the army, right? Their army. All oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got Potter heads for Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Right. Maybe we're howdy heads. Howdy heads. Right. Pazuzu pals. <laughs> I like that. That sounds fun. Yeah. Pazuzu pals. Yeah. Or just Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? Catholics. Wouldn't you know it? That's a sequel to it. Wouldn't you know it? Demon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Folks, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. I just, yeah, I just want to, I just want to make that clear. That's actually, no, you know what? I got to, I got to redact that because that's, that's such an asshole thing to say. <laughs> like when you, when you, when you say, when you, when you make an offensive joke mm-hmm. and then you're just like, it's okay, it's okay. I can say it because I'm, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, mm, no, don't, yeah, don't do that. Just don't say the joke. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I forget who, as I say the joke, I forget yeah. what comedian said that he's, he's told a joke about disabled people or something. And he goes, no, no, it's okay. I can make fun of disabled people. Anyways. Jesus. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Right, but making fun of that trope, right? Right, right, yeah. Like, oh, it's okay. I could could do this because my wife is something or my... Right, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. My, my, yeah, my wife is a Mesopotamian. Mm -hmm. My husband is a Catholic... Wait, no, that doesn't work. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) My mother uh, is a doctor, and she refuses to operate on to me. operate on me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody even knows she's a woman. I don't know how that works. <laughs> she comes into work all day, every day, and yeah, Nobody yeah. Does. Uh, but yeah, okay. Well, speaking of doctors, <laughs> um, yeah, we're back to our clinic, right? And, and foundation, Chris, and foundation. <laughs> and Chris says, "You're telling me that I should take my daughter to a witch doctor. Is that it?" And the defeat in her eyes. And in her voice, the realization that these guys got nothing, mm-hmm. that they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? You can see that realization. And that's that's just got to be soul crushing, right? Again, 88 doctors, and they came up with nothing, Keenan. Mm-hmm. Like we joke about it, but in this scene, they literally told her thoughts and prayers. Yeah, it's a really interesting shot of her. The background is uh, completely blurred out. It's really um, um a narrow depth of field on mm-hmm. her. And it, it's just a really interesting shot. Cause like, yeah. it's not necessarily, it's certainly not overplayed right by, by Ellen Burstyn, right? She's, she's underplaying it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it just holds on her in this very long and, and um, it's, it's a rather unusual shot for the movie. There's not quite a lot like this. Uh, and yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Again, not something I would have noticed unless we're looking at it shot by shot, second by second. Right. And to that point, like Keenan, you, you say underplaying it, mm-hmm. right? But but folks, by underplaying it, she mm-hmm. is she is screaming volumes, right? right like right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and yeah, this doc, Doc Berenger, cannot answer her, mm-hmm. can't even look her in the eye. At least we cut away before he does, right? Mm-hmm. Um now we cut from there. And we are in the car driving home. More uh, Penderecki music, I think, uh, playing, right? This one's called Cello Concerto. Um, It actually started playing in the previous shot, but now it is fully manifested, right? This low thrum, a note of alarm, of dread, a hint that things are going to get bad, right? Mm -hmm. We got got Chris in the back seat. She's got her signature scarf Mm -hmm. and sunglasses, right? We see Sharon uh, in there with her up front, and Carl is driving. Now, I think Chris is in the back because she's holding on to Reagan. We don't right. see it in this shot, though. 
Um, but it looks like that, a funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Like the two ladies there and they look like they're in their mourning clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I mean, it kind of is though, mm-hmm. isn't it? Right. Because like the, the docs basically said, Hey, um, we're done. We got mm-hmm. nothing. Um, how about try this, you know, this crazy placebo thing. Right. Um, and then if that doesn't work, don't tell the foundation what the clinic just said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, we're telling you, get out of here, go see somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And also, please, don't don't let the foundation know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Keenan, we talked about this before. Is there any indication in the movie that once they run out of ideas, they're going to take Reagan away? Or are they just going to leave Chris alone? Hmm. Like, like take Reagan and put her in that van upstate, right? Right. Yeah. And put her in an asylum or something like, cause, cause they, they were, they were hinting at like, like, I don't care what you call it. I'm not uh, having her put away. Right. Right. That in that, in that big board meeting. And that kind of suggested to me, like that scared me when I, when we, you know, when we talked about it uh, mm-hmm. last, I was like, oh my God, does this mean that like, it's not, it's not even a case of like, we can't help you. So goodbye. It's like, mm-hmm. we can't help you. And we're forcibly taking your daughter. Right. That makes sense. So this is the last, so do this, uh, what you call a witch doctor thing or don't, but you know, if you don't, then if you don't cure yourself, then yeah, we're going to call the authorities and have her taken to the asylum. That's horrible. Yeah. That sounds right though. Yeah. With the logic that you're pointing out, I think that's exactly what's going on. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that until, Mm -hmm. until this viewing Mm -hmm. that like, there is so much more at stake now. Mm Mm-hmm. Then, then just like we, we got nothing and, and then, and then she goes to the priest, like she's going to the priest, not just like save my daughter from a demon, mm-hmm. save my daughter from these doctors now. Cause they're right. going to take her away. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Right. Cause like, it's, it's not like, yeah, the doctors get, well, you know, you, so now you, your daughter is just a demon and you're going to live with her and what, take her to school and, <laughs> and <laughs> feed her ice cream and stuff like, like normal. Right. Yeah. Like Shaun of the dead or something like, no, <laughs> like this is going to be, you can't live like that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't allow you to to uh, raise your daughter like that. Right, right. She's a she's a danger to herself and right. to others, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Oh God. Yeah. Like ooh, ugh, ugh. That just, <laughs> that just gives me the icks. Ooh. Um. So we pull up on our house again. You're right. The orange, the autumn leaves are so good for this mm-hmm. movie. Right. Um. In the book, it's like April or May, but this just gives us like a nice spooky feel right even that mm-hmm. gate it's just looking nice and gothic there like like an adam's family home or something mm-hmm. like that right um but at the same time you got like a hose in the bottom right corner right you got people walking across the street it's this perfect mix of like spooky fantasy and realism which i guess like is sort of the appeal of this whole movie right the idea that horror has come home right not to the adam's family home to <laughs> your home Right. I want to point out something that I think, if I'm understanding what I was reading recently. Um, mm. So, so this door that Willie is in here—that's sort of this, uh, this, um, this front entrance. Like that—that is the real. Um, that's the real house that exists. And then there, they have added on a fake wing to the house exterior um, because they needed to make it plausible that you could fall or be pushed from the window to the stairs. Mm. But that in real life, in this real house, um, I believe that this side yard that they're turning into this driveway here does go all the way to the back of the house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, when you look at Google Maps, like the house Mm -hmm. is rectangular. It doesn't have an L-shaped sort of driveway alcove thing. Interesting. Okay. Huh. 
Yeah. And and we're going to we're going to see another exterior shot of the the famous window mm-hmm. um, in a little bit. And yeah, I remember remar- I was like, that seems kind of far away from the stairs. Right. right. Like if that's the if that's the the thing. And I think you had pointed this out um, uh, in an earlier minute as well, that um, it, they would have to be like pushed. They would have to be like ejected from the window to get to those stairs. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In real life. Right. So they tried to make it look a little bit closer. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll get to that. I'm excited to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for here, yeah. So, um, uh, Carl pro- pulls up uh, in past the gate, and we see that yes, Willie is uh, is there waiting for them. Um, another cut, and everyone gets out of the car, and it's go time. It's like this mad rush to get inside, right? Like it's not, oh, Miss Reagan, welcome home from the hospital. It's like get her inside, draw a bath, make some tea, get her under the covers, right? Mm-hmm. Super, super, like go, 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 right? Um, Sharon runs in first, probably to get everything ready uh and we get this really tender moment here where chris uh, she was holding reagan there we go yeah Mm -hmm. um hands her hands reagan over to carl and this big strong man is gently uh you know cradling her carrying her into the house with uh this almost fatherly look of compassion and Mm -hmm. pity and concern right it's so touching um it, it really hit me this time around and again folks like like make note like I was saying before um, about the, the the quietness of good in this movie, right? That was a, a really quick shot, and we could have we could have missed it. But I'm telling you, take note, right? Especially especially with Carl. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, talking about that scene where where Chris finds the crucifix. There's a there's another scene in the book right after that. Um, that's not in the movie, but uh, I can't wait to talk about uh, that in, in that minute. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, Reagan is so bundled up that at first I didn't really understand what Chris was handing to Carl. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, eventually I'm like, oh, oh, it's it's her, and she's so right. she's so fragile, and she's so yeah. like, uh, she's like a bundle, she's like a sack of uh, of grain or something. Yeah, that's actually interesting. I'm thinking about this for the first time now, mm-hmm. but like, is this some kind of like liminal midway transitional point where like we open the story with this plucky young girl, and she's very much like a person with a personality and mm-hmm. she is a character and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to end it with this uh, spitting, uh, <sighs> you know, shouting demon. Mm-hmm. But like in the middle, it's, it's almost like, like she's like in this, she's like a, a fragile prop. Right. Yeah. I don't want to be a, um, a movie making asshole for a second, but maybe, maybe she's so bundled up cause it's not Linda Blair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean that would be easy, right? Like, right, because be... there are limits to how many, how much, how much time you could spend filming a child. Right, that yeah. is that's a that's a technical thing. It's like you know because yeah. they they got to rest, you know. Yeah, they got to or they got to go to school or they got they have to go to whatever. school, right? I don't know what the child labor laws were in the seventies. I think so. I, I know more about them in the forties and then a little bit more today. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, you would have to educate the kids and have a, an onset teacher and that kind of thing. And there'd be rules to how long they could they could have it. And um, someone introduced me to this term before about like um, you know. Whatever the hour is that that kids have to get off set, they they call it pumpkining, like Cinderella. Oh, you yeah. turn into it, yeah, you yeah. So like, oh, so the kids yeah. pumpkin at seven. We have to get them out out of set by seven. <laughs> the kids it's so cute. Seven. Yeah, I really love that. <laughs> I don't know if it's widespread, but I, I heard that once from from one production manager, and it was like, oh, that's so cute. But yeah, this might not actually be Linda Blair here because it's like, well, she doesn't have lines. You don't need to see her face. So yeah, yeah. Get Eileen Dietz in there, somebody, and bundle her up real, real tight. Right. Yeah, that that makes total sense. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Now, they make their way inside, and from there, we cut, and we're still outside. In fact, we're not very far away. We're now with Kinderman, and we see he's walking around the bottom of those famous steps, 
What's he doing there? Uh, we'll have to wait until the next minute to find out. Um, until then, that is all my notes. Keenan, you got uh, anything else? No, I think we got it. All right, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz, and you can find me on Letterboxd and Instagram as Howdy Keenan. Yeah, we got our uh, listener group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out on Facebook. Request to join. We'll let you in here with us. And yes, again, thank you guys so much to everybody who's uh, shared the show, uh, word of mouth, um, or just like on the socials. Uh, and, and a big thank you to everybody one who has given us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or, or wherever you listen to the show. Um, we really, really appreciate it. That's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. Okay, Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the power of Pazuzu Pals compels you. And foundation, right? Behringer Clinic and foundation, right? What does that even mean? <laughs> I wrote that joke uh-huh. because that's what it says on the sign Absolutely. without even knowing what it means. Right. I, okay. Well, I guess I guess we, we, well, we just won't answer that. I don't know. I don't know if you want to get into the – into the um, uh, nonprofit world and I could, no, I could describe no, it to you. I, I know what it means. Okay. Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Is this a, is this a trap we want to fall into? <laughs> I don't know if we want to get into the <laughs> the, okay. the nonprofit Folks, trap. <laughs> yeah, uh, right into uh, uh, the Exorcist Minute at gmail.com. Keenan will tell you all about um, why we call it Behringer Clinic and Foundation. Right. Yeah. So the foundation, yeah. the foundation, <laughs> the foundation is the um, is the charity. It's the money raising arm of the clinic. The clinic oh. is not necessarily – so what they have decided to do in this situation mm-hmm. when there's a foundation is to have the clinic be the um, be the recipient of charity money without raising the charity money. And the foundation is the one who raises the money and then most of the time they give the money as a, as a donation to the clinic. So for whatever legal – this is beyond my scope, but for whatever re- legal reason or, or tax reason, um, the clinic isn't going out and raising money. They're just receiving the money from the Behringer Foundation. Even if the Behringer Foundation and the Behringer Clinic are clearly related, they have the same name, but there's a board for the foundation who decides what to do with the charity money, and then almost always they give the the money to the clinic. Interesting. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Don't patronize me. (laughs) That's what the foundation is for. They're the patrons. Listeners, that's your responsibility to answer that. Write in the Exorcist Minute at gmail.com. Tell us if that was interesting. The power of Christ and foundation compels you.